Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast. Let's the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good night to be alive. Good night to be alive. Every of course, every night's... every night's a good night to be alive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We want to. So do... You don't want that one exception for sure. <laughs> you do not. You do not. That just screws up everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ask the Arizona Coyotes about that. Bruce, um, the Edmonton Oilers trounced the Arizona Coyotes five to one, and um, there was a huge difference in the talent of those two teams. It was tremendous, and uh, the Oilers didn't certainly didn't bring their A game. Nothing close, really. Nothing close, but they got the result, and um, while wow, Arizona's a terrible hockey team. Uh, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast, and because it's a Oilers victory, we'll go with two good things each. What's your sure. first good thing? Uh, I'm going to... Uh, uh, Shout out for the Oilers penalty killing unit, which had a strong game tonight. Uh, four pe- penalty kill, uh, I guess you could call them opportunities and uh, challenges. And not only did they kill all four off, they actually outscored Arizona one nothing, uh, thanks to the game-winning shorthanded goal by Zach Hyman uh, early in the second period. That uh, really was when the game turned fairly heavily in Edmonton's favor. And they had, uh, Arizona had eight minutes of power play time and they mustered just three shots on net. And the Oilers, look at this, I just noticed this, the Oilers outshot the Arizona power play four to three. The Oilers had four four shots shorthanded and Arizona had three on the power play. How's that? You don't see that very often. And uh, one of those four shots went in. Uh, so it was, uh, um, but I, I like their control. Like I like the, the number of times they, they just controlled and iced the puck. Or even they got control of the puck, and rather than just blindly ice it, they looked around and made a play. And, in fact, it was such a play by Nugent Hopkins that set Hyman away, where normally you'd expect he got the puck free inside the blue line, he just whip it down. And he knew he had a little bit of time and space, and so he... You know, had his head on the swivel a bit. Oh, I'll, I'll feed it up to Hyman, and all of a sudden it's a two-on-one after Nurse absolutely flies into the play. And Hyman uh, holds the puck and fires a perfect shot in off the post to uh, give the orders a 2 nothing lead and some breathing room, and they really had the breathing room the rest of the way after that. So uh, another another uh, fine job by, uh, by that unit. And... Uh, Three three pairs of forwards who contribute to that, and two pairs of defensemen that are really carrying the mail for the uh, PK unit. Not exactly miss, missing right now, Josh Archibald or Jujar Kerr on the PK, are they? Well, they didn't miss them tonight, that's for sure. I mean, this wasn't exactly the the test, you know. No, it wasn't, wasn't the wasn't uh, the '79 New York Islanders power play. I was going to say the, the 1980s New York, New York <laughs> Islanders, Bruce. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah, it's I the thought... 79 team that holds the record. But anyway, it's it's right there. They were they were dominant for years. Seven about six or seven years in a row, they clipped yeah. along at an amazing rate of yeah. power play efficiency. And this power play on the Oilers, there's no reason they can't do the same thing if everyone reigns healthy. Mm-hmm. 
and on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and so Hyman's goal. Hyman's goal was an interesting one because it's it's almost like you'd expect him to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he did something with his. I'm not sure what he did. He he, he changed. He didn't he didn't make a movement with his stick, but he, he I don't know. He he kind of did something with a puck on his stick at the last second, ascended in a direction I don't think the goalie was expecting. And as the legendary uh, skills coach Jim Fleming says, there's a difference between shooting and scoring. And on that shot, Hyman did something, I think, that made that a goal. With it. And I, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he tricked the goalie with that shot. It's something about the release, eh? Yeah. And then, and then, of course, the shot itself drilled the post on the way in, like it was a perfectly placed shot. Great shot. That- that, uh, you know, and it rang the iron pretty loud. I thought he'd hit the post, and then they, they said it carried on into the net. So well, it was a nice night for that unit. And they had, through two periods, Arizona had three power plays to none for Edmonton, and yet the score was three to nothing for Edmonton, and it was in large part because uh, of the work of the of the PK. So that's my first good thing. Bouchard made some nice plays on the PK as well, I thought. He he's looking good there. A lot, eh? He's just, just yeah, his good hands with the puck really pays off because he's and he's also big enough to play the position, like and and sound enough defensively. But when he gets the puck on his stick, he really makes nice plays with it. Like it's it's usually out. Uh, my good first good thing, Bruce. I really loved Darnell Nurse's game. I thought he played a dominant, just a dominant game. He didn't make any major mistakes on grade A chances against, according to our count. The Oilers had ten grade A shots versus six grade A shots for the Coyotes, which is a really low event game in terms of the Coyotes' ability to muster grade A shots. Uh, Nurse was a physical demon again. He pancaked uh, Chikren. He had a couple of really hard hits. He um, he moved the puck well. He defended well. He he just, he was, I, I, I was, he reminded, there was that one shift on the, I think it was the PK where he blocked a shot charged up the ice and got a, you know, a partial break away. Yeah. He just reminded me, it was kind of a Ed, Eddie yeah. Shore kind of game. He's the new, he's the 20, Darnell Nurse is the Edmonton Express of the 21st century. Uh, Shore was like the Edmonton Express of the 20th century. That's what he's playing like, like this big, tough, rugged customer who rushes the puck. That's what Shore was known for, was ruggedness mm-hmm. and rushing the puck. Mm-hmm. And charging up the ice and that's how how nurses play in the game it's i just thought he was really 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 strong yeah well twice he jumped up on the penalty kill once as i say on that hyman goal yeah and it was it was his um his quick decision once nugent hopkins had the puck like nurse took off even before nuge made the pass to hyman he but he could see the opportunity he blasted into the free and clear and it was uh, two on one and then there was that other play you mentioned earlier, very late in the first period, where he jumped into the rush and took the pass and just went right around the defenseman and forced a very tough save by the young Arizona goal, Carol Vemelka, uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. So anyway, uh, and he made he made a real good. I think he got a shoulder on it. I think Nurse's shot was going under the crossbar, and he got a piece of it and put it over. But but uh, two, you know, shorthanded, but very decisive uh, moves by Darnell and and deadly ones, resulted in, in one goal and could have resulted in, in in a second. So 
some some nice contributions in that respect. But boy, he's playing hard, eh? Like he's uh, yeah, he he's he's playing with some real edge. It's the third game out of four that he had eight hits, eight hits in the game. That's a lot, you know. That's a once in a long while thing. Well, it's three times in the first four games of the season thing for Darnell Nurse at this point. Uh, Bruce, what's your second good thing? Well, I got to go with the Oilers power play, David. And the Oilers power play had, uh, uh, they had two opportunities, both in the third period. And it took them all of 58 seconds on the two power plays combined to score two goals. Three shots, so one of them didn't go in, but the other two did. And so they, uh, they improved their already uber effective power play just another notch. And they just made it look so easy. I mean, the second one was 11 seconds and it was just win the draw, make two or three passes, make a deadly cross seam pass, bury it. Done deal. And just, just business yeah. as usual. It seems like, like they're, they're just so they've got this killer instinct. You know, these guys, as they get older and more mature, it's just going to become more and more routine. I'm convinced of it. It, it, uh, I want to, Drysdale had a pretty quiet game at even strength, he but he, he kicked off both of those goal scoring sequences with face-off wins. Winning the face-off, I think, is yeah. overrated at even strength, but underrated in special teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you win that face-off, first face-off on the power play, and you're, you are set up, you are good to go. If he can keep mm-hmm. doing that, that's, that's going to be good. And, um, Arizona, the number one thing you must do against the Oilers power play, which is hard to do, is to cross, stop the cross ice. You know, when they start knifing and slicing that puck cross ice, um, they will kill you. And both goals came on cross ice passes, as passes from Nuge to McDavid. They, you got, you must take that away. You must make Nugent Hopkins uh, shoot or Barry shoot. And I don't know what you're going to try to do. That's probably the best strategy. Make Barry and Nuge shoot as much as possible. Now Nuge is a very smart player, right? He he doesn't shoot unless mm-hmm. he's got a good shot to take. He's very smart. So that's your that's the problem in <laughs> trying to stop that strategy. He'll put it down to Hyman down low. Hyman put it over to McDavid for a, a chance uh, again that went cross seam and almost mm-hmm. scored there. So Nuge is, or he'll do the back pass, you know, to Barry. Yeah. And then Barry will will fire it over to Drysaddle for a or McDavid for the one timer that way. So, yeah, Bruce, I agree with you. It's it's just going to get more efficient. It's going to get harder to stop because <laughs> these guys are so smart. They're getting to be calmer, smarter, um, more machine like in their execution. Yeah. I think when Clefbaum was there one strategy was to maybe try to make him shoot like really you know mm-hmm. just leave that open shot for him chicago did that when they beat the orders in the playoffs and it was effective but i'm not seeing i'm, I'm wondering what, what how teams are gonna do this all right bruce my second good thing is warren fogel's goal i think warren fogel like there was a lot mm-hmm. of people really unhappy with the ethan bear trade i think warren fogel is like that that's not going to change the people right. who really loved ethan bear are going to mm-hmm. miss him I, I get that like if he was your i miss player, i miss ethan bear and he was very close to my favorite player but there you go you know i'm an Oilers fan and he's not here anymore and i'm not going to take it out on warren fogel well that's 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 good that's the mature <laughs> fan attitude and it's and it's not going to it's it's okay to mourn the loss of your favorite player mm-hmm. i still wish risto silton had been on some of those stanley cup winning teams all these years later that said um 
the trade with Silton and worked out and this this trade look is looking pretty good right now too. Fogel um he he is just a big barreling hockey player and he and Cassian you know <laughs> they add an element if they keep playing like this they're adding an element of physical play mm-hmm. to the third line which we haven't seen in quite some time I don't know there's third line like those guys are they are heavy loads and Fogel's goal Bruce he, and he scored a number of goals a few goals like this in Carolina where he kind of barges in there it was um it was it was a crazy kind of kamikaze rush up the ice, very chaotic, you know, going this way, that way, and and beating the D-man and then slamming home the goal. Always on the edge, it looked like a falling down, but never doing so. Hell of a play by what looks to be a very useful hockey player for the Edmonton also, Oilers. I heard an interesting comp tonight. I think maybe it was Louis DeBrusque who brought up uh, Ethan Morrow. As a as a comp for Warren Fogel and his style of play, and I thought, you know, that's that's, I can't just throw it out. Sometimes you hear it and you just go, no, no, that's not right. But now I thought, then that, that, yeah, that's that's not bad. Big barging winger, you know, likes to make things happen, likes to, uh, you know, play play a physical game. Hasn't got the best hands in the world, but uh, lots of willpower, and uh, you don't want to get in his way, you know. And, so in that sense, he's, uh, uh, um, you know, he has some similar attributes to uh, Ethan Morrow, let's put it that way. And you want to talk about big banging wingers. Did the Oilers ever have a more effective pair of banging wingers on one line than Ethan Morrow and Mike Greer when they, <laughs> when they played alongside Todd Marchant? Ooh. Ooh. So Morrow yeah, was I don't know quite about Derek, Derek Ryan as the uh, as the, uh, the Todd Marchant role, but that's the kind of line it is. Morrow wasn't quite as good taking the puck to the net, I don't think, as Fogel would be one slight difference. And Morrow was probably more of a ferocious player. Like, we haven't seen yet what Fogel has in, in that category. He's a tough guy, but mm-hmm. Morrow was absolutely ferocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, 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 I accept the comp, too. I think it's not a, it's kind of, it's, 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 way it's out close of, enough. It's not yeah. way. Um, your bad thing. Yeah, my bad thing is disappointment that uh, Arizona was the team that was picked to be taken out of the Pacific Division because they were they're all set up to be a, you know a free uh, space on the bingo card in terms of a playoff berth. Years. I mean, they're they're going to yeah they're going to give teams trouble on this night and that, but in terms of, of contending for a playoff berth, no chance. Uh, and if they say move Vegas to the Central Division instead of, uh, you know, which is you know same time zone. A little Vegas is a little further west. I looked it up on a map just to be sure. <laughs> there's really kind of nine teams that sort of naturally fall into the Pacific, so they had to move one out when Seattle came in, and it was uh, Arizona. So I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, um, but uh, I mean you could just say your bad thing is the Arizona Coyotes. They uh, their team is a mess. They got a bunch of guys that I don't know who they are. Ilya Liubishkin, right? He's uh, Mrs. Ilya Liubishkin's <sighs> husband. Man. Husband, yeah, <laughs> husband, yeah. There we go. Uh, on the bright side, and this is a, this is a, this is a bonus good thing for me, but I got to mention I'm Dyson Mayo, long time four year member of the Edmonton Oil Kings and Stanley Cup cha- or sorry Memorial Cup champion. Now 25 years old and five full seasons in the minor league, played his first NHL game tonight. 
he did get burned by Warren Fogle on the first Edmonton goal, but he scored the uh, Arizona goal on a great shot from the, from the high slot. And I mean, how good is that for some kid that's been waiting all these years to finally get in the NHL to score in his first game? Fantastic. And congratulations to you, Dyson Mayo. I love it, even if you score against the Oilers. As long as it's in a losing effort, I love it. <laughs> all right, I'll meet your bonus good thing, Bruce, with okay. a bonus good thing of my own. Miko Koskinen, had a, he, he didn't have a lot of action. But in the first period when he was called upon to make some saves, he did so. So I, I, I thought that was good. My he bad. Was rock solid. And he, he, was, he, was, he was, he was, a, that game could have got ugly early. The Oilers could have been down, you know, one, one, nothing, two, nothing. And maybe they fight back and win it, but they would have, you know, would have had to take a lot more. And Mikko holding them in, in the early going while they were getting their crap together was a big part of the win. And then he kind of had a quiet night thereafter. You know, there's not a lot of players from that 2013-14 Oil Kings team that have made the NHL. Ooh. And I think Lazar still might be there. Yes. And uh, the goalie, eh? Um, uh, Tristan yeah. Jari. Tristan Jari. But other than that, like, I thought, Henrik Sa- I thought Henrik Samuelson was going to be an NHLer yeah. for a decade. He was such a good power forward. And he just got injured and he never made it. Um, Mitch Moraz didn't come close, really. Griffin Reinhardt disappointed. Griffin Reinhardt just just didn't have it, and he wasn't quick enough. I did, like I wasn't as I wasn't a huge Griffin Reinhardt fan even then. Like I didn't see it. I didn't see what everybody else saw because I didn't see the speed. I didn't see the offensive game that you know that would make a top four D man in the NHL. Maybe a bottom pairing guy. Anyway, I'm shocked. He, I'm still shocked he didn't make the NHL. I'm, I have to say I thought he was can't miss. Whether it's third did. pairing or second pairing, but it just never, never happened. And Edgar Skulda, who was a really skilled player, I thought might have had, had a chance mm-hmm. to. Anyway, uh, Bruce, my bad thing is, well, Brendan, in a game like that, there's not a lot of bad things. So I, so when I single out Brendan Perlini here, it's not like he was particularly bad in that game. I think I scored him as a five out of whatever, like five out of ten in the Celtic Hockey game grades. He, he, he was okay. But um, he's not showing much, and he's only got one shot. In, in these games that he's played this year after, you know, getting a goal a game, he can't even get a right. shot a game. And this was the concern. Like, what does he bring if he's not scoring and shooting? And we're not seeing much. And I, I actually, I think Tyson, Tyler Benson should get in right now, like next game. And let's see what he has because Perlini's, he's not costing them anything, but he's not right. giving them anything. So why not go with Benson? Like give the, give the kid a game, see what he can do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Benson has a good game because he's a good hockey player. So he, he he did play 10 minutes tonight. And in fact, every, every single Oiler played double digit minutes tonight. And that did relieve uh, much of the stress off of the big minute munchers. I mean, Connor McDavid only played 15 and a half minutes. Uh, Drysaddle played 17 and a half. Uh, Nugent Hopkins was just over 18. That was the top forward. And even Nurse, you know, 24 minutes and 55 seconds, which is a lot of work, but for him, that's uh, uh, that's his, you know, it's his quietest, quietest night to date. And with the orders having to play again tomorrow night, getting getting a hold of this game and being able to just roll the lines down the stretch was big. They should be fresh for tomorrow, including I think Koskinen, who, who I think will get to start tomorrow. Probably right. That would be Tippett's mo, right? Like, yeah, oh, right. yeah. I'm he thinking, what, what what will Tippett do? Not what would Bruce do if he was the coach? Breaking. I'm not the coach. 
I'm just trying to figure out what the actual coach is going to do. And my guess is he's going to go with Koskinen. Yeah, I think so as well. Although Stuart Skinner wouldn't be a bad bat. He looked good in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, I really yeah. liked him. And I mean, if there is, like, if, if they do hear from, like, if there's any indication, like, if it's not just performance, but if there's risk of injury on, this, on back-to-back, like, if there's any, and I don't know about that. I, I, I know there's some look looking at the goalies and they don't play quite as well in their second game. Mm-hmm. I understand there's been, you know, right analytical dives into that but i don't know about injuries and about the recovery of the body and if there's any increased risk of injury playing back-to-back games if there was i would play skinner for sure Mm -hmm. because you can't risk miko koskinen getting hurt now um even though smith might not be out that long but you don't know and we we do know this that when smith was when mike smith was injured and banged up in recent years that's when he was bad and and slumped so and this is the concern that I have about the whole thing. So I would be just as happy to see Stuart Skinner myself, but I, I'm okay. I wouldn't be totally shocked, but I would put the odds in favor of, especially that he didn't have to face 40 shots tonight, you know, and, and especially in the third day, it was and, quiet. Yeah. And Koskinen now, I mean, he waited his turn. He was, he started three games in a row on the bench. He came in halfway through the game, third game, settled everything down, won the game. And tonight more of the same. Like, so, Two two good games, two wins so far for Koskinen. And my guess is the coach will say, yeah, we're going to run with you for a while, Mikko. You were a good soldier. And this is where there was some debate on the internet about this. And some of the uh, people that have bought in completed this idea that it's insane to ever play the same goalie in back-to-backs or getting on my case when I said on Twitter that I think Tippett will start Koskinen in both games. And the suggestion was, well, the Vegas game is more important, so they should hold back Koskinen till the Vegas game. And I'm thinking, I I wonder if, you know, how to put this politely. Um, It's it's human relations, man. I mean, the coach's job is working with real flesh and blood humans. He's not playing NHL 2022. Can you imagine if Dave Tippett went up to Mikko Koskinen this morning and said, well, Mikko, uh, we had you sit start in the bench the last three games because you're the number two, and tonight we're going to have you sit on the bench because now you're the number one. And, I mean, because we're holding you back for the more important game. I mean... I, 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 I think it's not like thinking, he's tired. Yeah. He's played, he's played, uh, uh, counting tonight now, 108 minutes in the last uh, two and a half weeks. Right. Yeah. It's not like he's, he's been run into the ground. So, uh, and, and then they have four more days off after this game. So I'm Mikko Koskin and I'm very much expecting, okay, now I'm going to get my, get some games in and get, you know, get, uh, uh, I got my traction in my own season, and so far so good. But anyway, we'll see what happens. It's Dave Tippett's decision. Perhaps your critics were overthinking it. I would suggest. All right, Bruce. Um, my battery power is running out, so we're going to have to go okay. fast here. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. What's your number? Okay, I got two numbers, and they're kind of related. They're fifty and thirty-three. And those are the uh, success rates of Edmonton's power play and Arizona's penalty kill. Edmonton's uh, scored seven goals on 14 chances for a 50% conversion rate, whereas Arizona's had nine penalties and they've only managed to kill three out of the nine and given six goals. So they have a 33% penalty kill. Have you ever heard the like? 
I mean, in a, in a game, that is sure. A, but... That is a shocking. <laughs> they were so terrible, though. They were so bad at it. I'm not surprised. They were just they just couldn't stop a pass. They couldn't win a faceoff. They couldn't stop a pass. They were just horrible. So, yeah. uh, maybe they're a better team than I think. But they just looked like that. They just looked like one of the worst NHL teams I've ever seen. Like just... I've never seen a situation where one team had a better power play rate than the opposition had penalty kill. Maybe in the women's world championship, <laughs> where Canada plays pa- Kazakhstan or something. Yeah. Like it was, uh, it was, it's, uh, it's, it's, don't uh, undersell just... those Kazakhstani women, Bruce. They can play a mean <laughs> game. All right. My number is 28. My okay. number is 28. That's the number of hits Darnell Nurse has. I think he leads the NHL right now. Leads Mom. the NHL. And, um, I hope his body can hold up under that heavy load of crushing other people, <laughs> but he's certainly doing it so far. He's laying on the, He's stepping up in physical in a physical way, and it's. I think it. I think it does have an impact on the other. The other teams are, I think, aware of him out there now. I I would be if I was on the ice. Who wouldn't be? I mean, he's like six four, two twenty, and he hits to hurt. Uh, He's throwing people to the ice regularly. So the Edmonton Express. He's stepping up at the blue line, and uh, taking a piece out of guys. You know, like proactively trying to stop the rush at the blue line of with hard hits. He did it a couple more times tonight. He was leading the league in hits after Wednesday's Tuesday's game. I looked it up then his 20 he had two more than anybody else. And the other guys that were close had played four games. Yeah. And so now he's up to 28 and Delorier moved games a, with eight hits. Yeah. Nicholas Delorier know. moved ahead of him for one game yeah. there, but he has played an extra game and now nurses ahead of him. So yeah, Darnell nurse, I don't know what what the most hits he's ever had in a season. I didn't look at that, but um, I mean, and I'll say the same thing about Darnell Nurse that I will about Leon Drysaddle, Connor McDavid, and the Edmonton Oilers. Not one of them has played his best game or their best game yet this season, and they're four and zero. I said that in my game grade about McDavid, mm-hmm. and I thought it was kind of stupid yeah. saying it because he's got eleven oh, I read points in four games, and it was like, why am I saying this? I'm just going to get ridiculed, but it's what I think. It's what I think. He hasn't McDavid hasn't been particularly sharp defensively yet. And right. and he wasn't that game either. He was okay, but he made a few mistakes. But what he and but even on the attack, it seems like Bruce, we haven't like he's getting these points and he's playing great, but we he's not yet come up with that McDavid kind of sensational game where he's just on fire. How right. many points is he gonna get? Like thirty when he when he has that game? Like Well, they said tonight he's that he's He's had, in his last 18 regular season games, 47 points. And I said to my wife, that's a Gretzky in pace. That's Anything Gretzky. over two and a half points a game is Gretzky. And then I thought about it for a minute. And I said, you know what? In, the, in setting the NHL record in the 1985 playoffs, Wayne Gretzky scored exactly 47 points in exactly 18 games. So it's very Gretzky. In. Well, <laughs> if, they keep, if they keep the uh, cross-checking out of the game, Bruce... It's 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 a different game without the constant cross checking, and if they keep keep that out, and I hope they do, like well, it's, they keep it's, putting people in the penalty box and putting yeah. Connor on the power play. Yeah, that's the other side put, of it. They keep putting him on the power play. He's I don't think 47. he's drawn a penalty yet this year, but the the orders have drawn fourteen, and I think he's probably had a point on all of those seven power play goals. He's an amazing. He just he looks faster this year, Bruce. When he has the puck, he he does like he hasn't played his A game, but when he does get that puck, he just is so assertive. Like I said, he's he's the man of the of the NHL. He he bosses the game. He and Drysaddle, 
and they boss around the other players. So I'm loving it. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Same bat time tomorrow, same bat channel. Actually, yeah, Sportsnet 360 tomorrow night, folks, 8 p.m. against Vegas, division rival, and see if they can take it to 5-0 and for the third time in six years. That would be real nice. I comfortably made the playoffs the other two times. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Bye now.